The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape as I turn off the fan so people can actually hear me on the W2M Network with Wrestling Unwrapped Reacts. To the 2018 edition of WWE Fastlane. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, everybody. I am your host, and my name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as always, on these Wrestling Unwrapped Reacts specials is my co-host from Wrestling Unwrapped, Patrick Ketza. Leave the fan on, you sound better. Yuck, 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 yuck. And, hold on, hold on, I gotta think of one. <laughs> See, this is what happens when we rush this here. The Elmer Fudd to my Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Brandon Skipping. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting Howie's. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> the stutter actually lends itself to my name, too. <laughs> anyway. The views and opinions of Brandon Biscuping do not necessarily reflect those of anybody else here at the W Network. Any and all complaints about said views can be sent to s.garmer at gmail.com. We're hitting the greatest hits early here tonight. All right. Apparently. It, is, it is the 2018 edition of WWE Fastlane, or as some of us were calling it, WWE Speed Bump, the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. And for a card that I will admit that I was not super looking forward to, actually turned in a pretty decent performance tonight from the Blue Brand. I, I said last week on our, I said earlier this week on the SmackDown review that it should, they should have kept Roadblock for this pay-per-view because it makes more sense. Patrick, do you have any name suggestions? No, I was thinking Roadblock too. <laughs> Okay, if you two are going to start agreeing, I'm going to start quitting because this is scary. <laughs> All right, let's start with the pre-show match. I assume both of you got to watch it. Therefore, our opening contest scheduled for one fall. One fall. Is a six-man tag team match as the team of the FOPO, as Patrick decided to <laughs> dub them earlier this evening. Febreze, FOPO, Fashion Police, call them whatever you want Febreze to. Tyler Breeze. Huh? Febreze is a good one. <laughs> I loved Febreze, but apparently there's like a copyright on that and they can't well, use course. it. As Tyler Breeze and Fandango team up with the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, to take on America's Greatest Tag Team, that one's mine, copyright pending, of Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, and Mojo Rawley, who's apparently been forgotten about now that the U.S. title tournament is over. Patrick, See, I, 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 real, real quick, I think the tag teams should have been switched here. It should have been the Fopo and Mojo. So well, they could have been. So they could have been Mofopo. <laughs> well, there were a lot of bad Mofos, including Mojo, in this. <laughs> I mean, the obvious issue there is that Mojo has become a heel, whereas the Fashion Police are now faces. So yeah. Quit making sense, Brandon. We're not allowed to do that. Okay, fine. It's a WWE. We don't do that here. <laughs> true, very true. Uh, pretty basic 
kickoff match here. Uh, faces go over to give the fans a happy start to the show. Seven minutes and 14 seconds as Ty Dillinger gets a win. Holy shit, Ty Dillinger gets a win. Pinning. Was it Gable? No, Mojo. I yeah, I think it was Mojo. Pin Mojo? They, they, they had Mojo eat a fall? Well, that's not cool for Mojo. <laughs> All this, okay. Patrick's apparently in a tunnel. So, <laughs> apparently, but Dillinger does end up pinning Mojo, as I have had a chance to check this year. He does pin Mojo with a modified variation of the tiebreaker, almost a code breaker of sorts. Was it not, Brandon? Yeah, something like that. He hit like I feel like he hit another tiebreaker before that, and then hit this modified tiebreaker. Patrick, have you emerged from your tunnel? I don't know. Have yes, I? you have. Okay, very good. Um, I mean, I mean, what were your I thoughts on this match? match? Hmm? What were your thoughts on this match? I didn't mind it. I found it weird as hell, um, but it's serviceable. And I mean, holy hell, Ty actually won. Yeah, I was shocked that Ty actually won. Whether or not this will actually do anything to him, or if this was just a, no. a matter of. No. WWE just throwing him a bone will be yet to be seen. The answer to your question is no. No, it won't. I know. He'll still be in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Well, no, I know that. I'm just saying moving forward. He'll be in the the arm bar. And I'll be at the bar. (laughs) But that's it catering afterwards, much like the Usos. Never mind. That takes us to the actual pay-per-view itself here. I mean, there were other promos and stuff on the pre-show, but if you're if you're listening to this to listen to pre-show promos, you'd be better off just watching the pre-show yourself, honestly. Because <laughs> most of what happened on the pre-show I forgot about by the time the main show started anyway. Mm-hmm. And all of the promo videos ended up airing on the pay-per-view anyway. Well, that's how there- it works. Therefore, we move to the pay-per-view fast lane itself here. We are in my home state of Ohio, Columbus to be specific, as it is the Blue Brands final stop here. We open with a singles match scheduled for one fall. One fall. As Shinsuke Nakamura takes on Rusev. And, okay, first of all, do you guys know what day it is? Sunday. It's Shinsuke Day. I hate both of you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although I will say that Shinsuke has a surprisingly suave voice Yeah, he does Yeah <laughs> All right, I, I'll take I was this rather one. impressed by his his dulcet tones <laughs> Alright, I'll take this one It is It is Rusev <laughs> and, uh, Let's first talk about the fact that Aiden English has his voice back And apparently raps <laughs> what the hell was that? He couldn't lay down some track, that's for sure. But what was so weird was that, like, because he was still putting on his, like, operatic voice, it just, it sounded so messed up. It sounded so weird. He is the Matis Yahoo of the WWE. <laughs> oh, God. That's a reference like four people are going to get. Okay, moving on. 
It is indeed Rusev Day, and this these fans, Brandon, we talked about this on the SmackDown review. Rather, you were thinking that this was an opportunity for the WWE to try to kill the Rusev push, Day push dead before he got a chance to get rolling. I would make the argument that the Rusev Day and the Nakamura chance were about 50-50 for this contest. Oh, definitely. At, and at first, it seemed like it was 60-40 Rusev. A very well done, very hard hitting back and forth match follows. Well worth checking out, in my opinion. It mm-hmm. might have been the best match on the night to me. And in the end, hold on, have to warm up the voice for this. Because <clears throat> it was not one, but two. Kinshasa! <laughs> that led to the finish where Nakamura pins Rusev at 14 minutes and 32 seconds. One uh... Patrick. One of those Kinshasa's I'm sure you hated. Uh, see, I disagree with that one there. Because with the Kinshasa, it's a knee strike and you're able to protect it a little bit more. I'll give you like, that. Because he's like going off to the side. It's like a pushing strike. So you can like go across the side of the head with it without having to make direct back of the head contact. Mm. Like we saw Ziggler and Owens' super kicks on SmackDown. I know what you were going with that. Mm-hmm. The one to the back of the head. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because we had this conversation on a couple of the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown Live reviews where first Owens kicked Dolph in the back of the head with a super kick, and then Dolph returned the favor to Owens while he was doing commentary one week. And quite Patrick, frankly, live let's up be to honest. Okay, real, real so quick. Patrick, live up to, exceed, or underwhelming expectations? Well, real quick even if he did fully connect the kin- the Kinshasa to the back of the head, won't be the worst bump to the back of the head we'll see tonight. Oh, yeah. They, we'll get there. <laughs> I know. Um, I like this match. I actually thought it was a really good match. Uh, great opener. Um, second straight year that the Royal Rumble winner has put on a hell of a match at the last pay-per-view. And Probably for the second straight year, the loser of the match will get nothing from it. <sighs> Hello, Luke Harper. <laughs> um, well, t- tell that to Xavier Woods right about now. Well, yeah, but um, I, I, yeah, I think this kind of just proves that Nakamura can go even in the uh, WWE style and blah 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 woo woo woo, but. I thought this was a tune-up, obviously, for New Orleans four weeks from tonight. I thought it was a great tune-up. I thought they did a great job here. Brandon? Yeah, I completely agree um, that this match was a great match. It it felt, you know, it was very back and forth. Um, You know, they... It did seem like they were trying to protect Rusev, and there were some moments that I was honestly like, wow, are they maybe even going to let Rusev either completely go over cleanly or at least like get like either a dusty finish or you know win by countout or something like that. Um, you know, they made the right choice in having Nakamura win, but, you know... Um, Still a very solid match, um, and it gives me some hope that you know maybe my theory about Rusev Day is going to be wrong. That they are actually going to give them something more than just oh, we're going to give you the Ty Dillinger treatment. Well, to be fair, Brandon, it's Rusev Day. 
And let's be honest, Rusev is already getting better treatment than Ty Dillinger. He's actually on TV. Well, he wasn't on TV for like, what, like two or three weeks before a couple of weeks ago? still on TV more than Ty. True. I'll give you that. I'm going to agree with both of you. In my opinion, this was the sleeper of the show, and Mm -hmm. it completely and totally delivered, especially given the disappointment that we would have a little bit later on with a match that a lot of people were looking forward to. Um, As you mentioned, Patrick, this was an excellent sign of uh, Shinsuke working within that WWE style. We kind of saw him do that to an extent in his match with Sammy down in NXT, but that was also very indie-based as well there, whereas this one right here was more of your traditional WWE style, playing towards the crowd, playing towards the cameras, and making everything happen for a reason as well. I had no complaints about this fantastic choice for an opening match. I think considering how both of them have both progressed and how good they are that AJ Shinsuke even on a WWE level is going to steal the show at Mania hands down and it probably won't be your typical WWE match anyway well you wouldn't expect that between those two anyway but I think it's going to be a lot more of a WWE style match than any of us would have thought you know even six months ago We'll talk about this a little bit more once we get to the heavyweight title match, so be prepared for that. I have a question about Shinsuke AJ to ask you guys later. Spoiler alert for the main event. Oops. <laughs> Anywho, our next contest scheduled for one fall. One fall. Is the United States title match as champion Bobby Roode defends against challenger Randy Orton. I had a lot of people saying that they weren't looking forward to this match, Paul Leeser, because <laughs> they weren't exactly a fan of the style that both of these guys work, Paul Leeser. That being said, in my opinion, this was actually pretty good from both of these guys. I think that they worked to their strengths, which to some people might be considered a weakness, by having a more psychology-driven contest than what we saw in the opener and in what we saw in the tag team match here. And I'm okay with that to an extent because it's a variety of styles that I think helps make these shows stand out more rather than having every match come off very similar. Yeah. In- yeah. In the end, we crown a new United States champion as Randy Orton pins Bobby Roode with an RKO after Roode tries to jump off the second turnbuckle like an idiot. To hit the flying nothing. (laughs) As I made the joke on SmackDown Live before, that was an RKO out of somewhere. (laughs) Because Bobby jumped right the hell into it. And at 19 minutes and 30 seconds champion brandon you go first on this one yeah i mean i said it in the group chat this felt this did not feel like your typical wwe match this felt like an indie new japan type match lots of kickouts of finishers lots of uh false finishes lots of finisher reversals and just a really well played out match and I honestly would say I'd, I'd probably give this the match of the night for myself, but at least I'd definitely say it was a big, um, it, it was definitely a, uh, you know, a a very big match and, and a very big sleeper pick uh, for match of the night um, tonight. Um, you know, both of these guys went really well, really hard. Um and and they made the right choice too in terms of the fin- not i mean 
I'm okay with Orin winning. I would probably prefer to see Bobby win it, but with what I'm anticipating them doing for Mania, I'm okay with it. But honestly, knowing how WWE books these kinds of things, for like half the match, I was waiting for Jinder's music to either hit or for him to come in from out of nowhere, n no pun intended, uh, to uh, hit both of them with the Colossus and have this end in a no contest, thus setting up the triple threat. Um, you know. Well, I don't. I I don't think we're getting a triple threat though, Brandon. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later on, because I'm gonna. I'm I'm gonna kind of give some. Uh, I'm gonna kind of give some WrestleMania preview and predictions once we get past the main event here. So I'm gonna talk more about my idea a little bit later on there. I do think that all three of these men will be involved in the U.S. title match at WrestleMania, but I don't think it'll be simply a triple threat. I'll agree with that. Oh God, Patrick, what were your thoughts on this contest? Um. I mean, let's be honest, from what we were talking about in the chat, yes, Bobby Roode and Randy Orton can be two rather boring wrestlers. They can't be. You know, I, I, I'm not going to deny that. And I would say the first quarter of this match was kind of heading that way. But I thought once uh, once they kicked into kind of the second gear, um, I thought things really, really turned up, and it turned into a very fun match. I, I really enjoyed this. Didn't really enjoy, uh, you know, the end to the segments because, I mean, I know that they want to give Jinder something, but eh. Um, but aside from that, I, I very happy with this match, and it is cool to see that. You do get history tonight, not the history you're maybe thinking that involved, you know, a certain 17, but it is cool to see Randy Orton become the the modern Grand Slam champion in the end, even if it's only for a month. How many is that now? Grand Slam what? champions? Yeah. I would have to look that up and get back to you on I that one. I think it's like 10. I think it's 10 now. <laughs> I can have an answer in about 30 seconds. Okay, while Patrick practices his Google foo, I'm going to go ahead and get my wiki. I kind of gave my height. I kind of gave my thoughts on this match as we went into it. Um, no, I agree to an extent with what Paul had to say about this match before it started there. And if you guys want to, you'll actually be able to hear Paul's thoughts on this match when rather they do a, a Wrestling to the Max special edition or rather they cover it on the Monday night edition of Wrestling to the Max here on the W2M network. But I agree with the fact that both Randy and Bobby Roode can work very slow, very methodical, very uninteresting paces depending on the wins and the wears and how motivated both of them are. To me, this seemed like a more motivated than usual Randy Orton, although it wasn't a super motivated Orton, if that makes sense. I think it does. I mean, I think he was more motivated because, you know, he knew he was going over. Um, but I think he'd be even more motiv motivated if it were at a bigger pay-per-view, like if this was happening at Mania. Yeah, I would almost say they might have been better off saving the moment of Orton's U.S. title win for WrestleMania, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. I did make the prediction of Orton winning here, so I'm not going to complain too much about that. And I will say that I agree with Patrick to an extent, too, about the whole this match 
after a slow start, a rather methodical start, it did kind of pick up the pace a little bit towards the middle half and the ending portion of the contest. Do you have an answer for us from Google Flu? I told you, Wiki. Um, Whichever. He is the 10th under the current format and the 22nd overall. I I called it 10th for the current format. So... So tenth with, so I'm assuming current would be WWE US IC tag. Yes. Yeah. And then twenty second overall. I'm assuming that would include the European. Yes. Okay. Actually, the the old format was Intercontinental as the secondary, so you had to win that, and you had to win either the Hardcore or the European, plus A tag and A world. Did you hear a word he just said? I heard some of it. Can you hear me now? Yes. I can. Try that sentence again. The old format, because there were five championships to win, you had to win the Intercontinental, you had to win a World, you had to win a Tag, and you could win either the Hardcore or the European. Uh Now here's my question. How many people have the complete slam there then? How many people have all of those belts? I think it's like four. Two. Angle and Van Dam. Not even close. One of them's one of your favorite wrestlers. Jericho. And Jeff Hardy. Huh. Really? Um, except for, well, yeah, because he's got a world European hardcore Okay, while well, Patrick has more phone difficulties, I can say for a fact that I know that Kurt Angle was part of that group. I, I think he's going away from his mic. That's the problem. I'm not. I'm uh, right here. Oh, okay. Well, then what's happening is is you're fading in and out, so uh, you're probably in a part of your place where you don't have great reception. Great. <laughs> All right, we'll try to get through this. Yeah. Best okay, I can do, be- unfortunately. <laughs> Just because I know it pisses certain people off, Team Glowfire. <clears throat> takes on Carmella and Natalia in a in a tag match scheduled for one fall. One fall. I missed the moment there. Oh well. And in a surprise to me at least, Carmella and Natalia pick up the win. Carmella apparently they remember Carmella has a money in the bank briefcase and uses it as a distraction. In order to lead to Becky eating a super, super, super kick at eight minutes and 59. Really? We couldn't just round that up to nine minutes, Larry? (laughs) He had to be precise. precise. I guess so. I mean, I guess it depends on when you started the timer and how quickly after the bell rang you hit the end timer button. Yep. Of all of the people to whine about being specific on time, you... Okay, Patrick Patrick can make that joke. That's fair, actually. Um, I started with Brandon on the last match. I'm starting with you on this one, Patrick. Ladies tag, what did you think? Kind of lost in the shuffle and a bit sloppy at times. I kind of... Between the four of them, Carmella still looks kind of lost uh, to me. And at times seemed like... She was preventing Becky and Naomi from hitting some moves, having to for them having to wait for her. 
and it kind of made for an awkward match. It felt like when Natalia was in, things were much smoother. Um, not a terrible match, but I, I probably would say for me at least the worst on the card because it just it wasn't great. They did not mesh well. Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree with that. Um, you know, it was kind of just, it felt like it, a very much just a filler match to me. Um, the only way that I thought, and I think a lot of us thought, you know, when this was placed where it was, was that this is setting up for a potential cash-in uh, later on in the night. And... I, I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we talk about the overall review and, and, lo and looking ahead, but uh, with what happened after the women's title match tonight, I just don't know what they're going to do with Carmella at this point, because if oh, they're... She's... What? Sorry to interrupt you here, Brandon, but yeah, she's getting Baron Corbin. Yeah. Because there is no way that they're going to allow a cash-in to end the streak. I... Uh, no. The hell they won't. You shut your mouth. No. I know I saw you and Taylor talking about it in the group chat, Patrick, but I just, I don't see it. I get the Maybe idea not. And yes, it would be fantastic for the amount of heat that it could potentially draw towards Carmella. The problem is, is that might be X-Pac heat. Yeah, it would be more so heat, not so much on Carmella in a KFAB sense. It would be heat on WWE for doing such a boneheaded decision. It would be like the heat that uh, Scott Hall got on himself after... Uh, after the whole Goldberg, Goldberg thing. The taser to yes. end the streak at Dark K98? Yes. Available in the Wrestling Unwrapped archives, might I add. Mm. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Who'd you do it with? Uh, I think that was a Jared Hawkins show. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I, as of right now... <sighs> I would say by April the 10th, Carmella is the champion. I don't see it. No, I just, no. Unless you so want to get... So what, Asuka's just going to stay on SmackDown? Yes, absolutely. On honestly, you know what would be... I mean, I don't like it in the sense that it minimalizes the money in the bank contract so much this year when you have both contracts go uh go unfulfilled but honestly the you know to to basically one up the boneheaded move that Corbin made the the best way to handle Carmella at this point especially with how they've been using it so far is just have her like either keep on flaking out on cashing it in or, like, have her forget about it until July at the next Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view and then just have June. it be stripped because the time ran out. June. Oh, June. Okay. Yeah, July is Okay. 
the, the only the reason new ske- that the is, new schedule is still messing with me. The, I still the only of, reason I know the only reason I know that is because I'm going to Extreme Bowls. Oh, it's okay. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. See, I think of and I extreme... might go to Money in the Bank. It's in well, technically Chicago. I, Chicago. I, I, I still think yes. of uh, Extreme Rules as the post-Mania pay-per-view. See, I like Backlash as the post-Mania pay-per-view. It is, oh, again. Yeah. Good. All right. Shall we move on, then, gentlemen? Let's do it. Our next contest is a tag match scheduled for one fall. One fall. And it is the tag team titles on the line as the Usos defend against the New Days. And um, Patrick... or. And Brandon, before we actually discuss this match, I feel the need to give credit to one of our co-hosts, Brandon. Okay. Liz Pugisi called this clean. Verbatim, she called this. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's on the W2M Fastlane Predictions page. She did the write-up for the match, too. The Bludgeon Brothers interfere, and the match goes to a no contest. And at eight beats in 56 seconds, that is exactly what happens. Unfortunately, that's not what people are going to be talking about, is it, Patrick? Because part of it is they beat the high holy hell out of everybody. That crossbody on the outside to Big E looked really good. I can't say the same about the powerbomb. That crossbody would put Bray Wyatt's to shame. Rowan got some ups on that. Um, do we address the elephant in the room here? I mean, do we want to talk about the match at all? I mean, we're kind of doing it a disservice by just glossing over it. I mean, it went, what, only eight minutes? Nine. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it was a solid match, but I think at least in part because they knew what was about to happen. You know, we've seen much better matches between these two teams. Um, so... I mean, there were some decent spots, but nothing really to write home about. Nothing as compared to, like, the Hell in a Cell match or, you know, a lot of their other matches previously right. in 2017. To Even with fair, them stealing each other's signatures? That yeah, was, was cool. Say, that was uh, nice. Trying to compare this to the Hell in a Cell or the SummerSlam match isn't fair to either of those matches. That being said, though, I did think that the stealing of each other's moves and signatures and stuff was very clever. And it shows just how well these two teams know each other. Yes. Oh, yes. The spot with uh, Xavier calling for the for the uh, splash was was a great spot. The double loose. Yes. In the end, though, everybody's going to be talking about what happened post-match here. We already talked about the crossbody to Big E. Uh, Jay Uso, I think, I said before, I can't tell them apart when they're in an action. Gets cross-checked over the barricade into the front row. Jimmy gets victimized by a double splash at ringside. Kofi Kingston eats ring. Kofi Kingston eats ring post, and frankly, the four of them got it better than the other guy did. Uh-huh. That's an understatement. Yeah. The killer elite bomb <sighs> to, to Xavier Woods on the bottom half of the ring steps and either the Bludgeon Brothers screwed up or Xavier forgot to talk. I'd have to watch it back to see. There is a GIF 
going around. I will send it to you when I, once we get done with the show, Brandon. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Where, clear as day, Xavier okay? smacks the back of his head off the ring steps on the killer bomb. Um, I know we were having this conversation when I talk about the, the, the W2M group chat. We have these conversations throughout the pay-per-views and stuff, so I'm going to reference the stuff we talk about there because it's kind of like a live stream of consciousness going on in there. We had this conversation when this happened there. Um, if that was a sell, then all credit to Xavier because I hope to God it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um... – it was one of those that it actually started to get uncomfortable to watch. The the only reason why, and I mean, we'll obviously find out more tomorrow and and on Tuesday, but the only reason, and maybe this was just, you know, a production thing where they didn't know how serious it was and they were still just doing it just, you know, just to get the effect and whatnot, but I feel like if it was as bad as it looked legitimately, that they wouldn't have been showing him as much uh, post-match when they were putting, on, putting him on the stretcher and all of that. Um, so I'm hoping that that indicates that it is just a really good sell job by Xavier and that he'll be okay. Um, but... We'll see where it goes. The thing that I want to mention here, and by the way, Brandon, check your messenger. The thing that I want to mention here is the fact that the update that was given on a little bit later on in the show in regards to the uh, something with the spinal injury that Tom Phillips mentioned there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hope that that was a work because that very realistically could have been a spine injury on that kind of a bump. Yeah. As I said, if it turns out that it was just Xavier selling, then hats off to Xavier. If not, then thoughts and well wishes for a speedy recovery. Yeah, and yeah, I see it. It looks like he took it right on, like, that edge. Yeah, the back of his head, right off the back of the steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I sent you the link as well, Patrick, if you want the close-up view. I'd rather not. I don't blame you. All right, so that takes us to our fifth of six contests and our third of four title matches as the following match scheduled for one fall. One fall. Shut up. Nope. Nope. It's a thing. Accept it. This is our thing now, Patrick. Get used to it. Is the SmackDown Live women's title match as Charlotte defends against Ruby Riot, and we see the queen retaining her title by submission with the Vanderbilt. At 13 minutes and 46 seconds. Okay, so I'm going to go first here because I have kind of a controversial opinion. I saw a lot of people talking about that this was a coming out party for Ruby. This was a this was an excellent performance for Ruby. I actually was not super impressed by this match. There were several noticeable miscommunication issues. There were several noticeable blown spots in this match to me. And while they were able to recover from those mat- those spots quite well, that kind of stuff right there, the rough around the edges stuff, is 
things that you're going to have to kind of seam out if you're going to want to have more and more of the focus put on the women's division going forward. I'm going to go with you first here, Patrick, because I know that you're one of the biggest proponents of Ruby Riot on the W2M network. So I want to get your thoughts first. What did you think of this match here? 10 out of 10, go to hell. No, okay. Um, no cell. I, I, yeah, I know. What else is new? I didn't think it was that bad of a match. Yes, there were some noticeable things. I'm, I'm absolutely not going to deny that. Um, but to me, it felt like miscues aside, it still felt like Ruby wasn't nervous it, it, hell it felt like she did feel comfortable almost miscues do happen um and yeah there's there's definitely things that have to be cleaned up but i really did not think it was a bad match at all um the I, the goofiness of you know everyone interfering and then technically mike Hiota throwing out the rest of the riot squad for no actual reason, because I don't think he ever actually saw them do anything, was odd. But I I was actually fairly okay with this match, outside of the fact that the crowd didn't give a damn. <laughs> but they kind of had a reason to not give a damn, considering what had just happened. Pat, uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I mean, I think the match... Yeah, there may have been a few spots that were a little off, but I mean, I think part of that, I don't know about for house shows and whatnot, but it I don't think these two have really been in the ring all that much together. Um, you know, you don't have, uh, with, with some of the newer people, you know, Ruby Riot, uh, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, uh, Sonya Deville, like, the newer people on Absolution and Riot Squad, you know, everyone, all of the other women in the women's division came up together. So they're all familiar with each other since their NXT days. Whereas the newer generation who's coming in, they don't have that familiarity yet, so they're going to have to build it eventually, you know, and they will build it. Um, you know, you're not going to get five-star matches with, with these guys because they don't have that familiar, familiarity with each other that the older ones do because they've been together since, what, 2014? You know, so, <clears throat> um, you know, it was a solid match. Um, you know, I, I kind of agree with Patrick that the some of those spots, uh, they were kind of corny and whatnot, you know, but that's kind of what you expected with this match, uh, especially with the Riot Squad. Honestly, what I was expecting, and I think a lot of us were expecting, was, uh, for Charlotte to retain with the Riot Squad coming in and putting a beat down on her immediately afterwards, leading to a Carmella cash-in. Um, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, but uh, see, I had different. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see Carmella cashing in tonight because I had already seen kind of the rumors as far as what was going to happen with Charlotte at Mania. 
I mean, I saw See, my my honest thinking, and it got thrown out the window when they ran out during the match. I was thinking Charlotte wins, Riot Squad jumps her. Uh, Becky and Naomi make the save after the match, and Becky turns on Charlotte hmm. to set up that match, and Asuka goes with Alexa. But once Becky and Naomi ran out halfway through the match, I you know realized I'm like, all right, well that's shot to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, somebody you did mention did make a pretty big impact here, though. Yeah, she did. Yep. And we talked about, I remember us specifically talking about this on the SmackDown review, Brandon, about being pissed off that they gave away Asuka and Alexa on Raw for free because that should have been the Raw women's title match. Well, now we know why. Yeah, well, apparently the reason they gave away Asuka and Alexa for free on Monday Night Raw is because they're going with a different first-time-ever women's match for the title at WrestleMania. As Asuka comes out, gets into the ring into a stare-down with Charlotte, and then points to the WrestleMania sign to make her challenge official, it will be for the SmackDown Live women's title at WrestleMania, the Queen Charlotte defending against the Empress Asuka. Patrick, is this the best match they have in the women's division right now? Um, I'll go with yes, but there's the potential for no, because with these two, you pretty much know that you're probably going to get, you know, a match that will be as remembered as like Mickey versus Trish, though, for different reasons. You know, but a match that that will be remembered for years. However, if and I'm saying if they were to go with Sasha versus Bailey, and you get Sasha versus Bailey akin to what you got in Brooklyn, then no, it would be Sasha versus Bailey that would be the best match. However, of the actual set matches, what we know we're getting, yes, this is the biggest you can get. This is the best you can get. See, I don't know if I agree. I think that, I mean, I love Bailey. I've always loved Bailey. I think Sasha's slightly overrated, but that's personal opinion. I'm just going on that match, though, on the Brooklyn match, which was incredible. I don't disagree. I don't dis. I'm sorry, Brandon, but I'm going to cut you off here. I don't disagree with you that the Brooklyn match was incredible, but I do think that Charlotte and Oscar are capable of more together than what we even got from from Bailey and Sasha in Brooklyn. I'm going to agree with Patrick to an extent. I think on a technical level, this is definitely the best match that we can get in the women's division. Um, But in a storytelling level and in terms of, you know, the, you know, how fan, how memorable it would be and, um, and, you know, how well it would be received and all of that, all the non, you know, outside aspects, outside of the ring aspects, Sasha Bailey, if you did it right, if you did it the way they did in NXT would be the better matchup. We may still end up getting Sasha and Bailey at WrestleMania. I wouldn't be surprised if those two against each other ends up as a pre-show match at WrestleMania, honestly. Not a chance in hell. Yeah, I just... Because of Sasha. Not a chance in hell. I don't know. I don't think they'd put it as a pre-show match for one, and I think those two would say we want... Like, they're going to need time to do what they want to do. 
Okay, you say that, Brandon, but at the same time, let's look at the Neville and Aries match from the pre-show last year, and they got almost 19 minutes in the True. ring with each other. True. I'll give you that. All right. We move on as we come back ringside for our main event, a six-pack challenge scheduled for one fall. Five one falls. Fall. I would have liked it to have been for five falls, but... That's not the way the six-pack challenge crumbles. Before we get to the match, Shane McMahon comes out to dance to ringside, and, well, you know, some shenanigans are about to be afoot. As soon as he came out, I turned to Tori. I'm like, I know there's some sort of shenanigans that are going to be a play, coming into play in this as soon as he came out. To borrow a line from the WWE's favorite recording artist, it's going down for real. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I feel like a sellout for even doing that. I apologize. I'm gonna go I did not give you the green light on that. <laughs> nice. so are you saying I spin your head right round, right round? Oh, God. We can do this all night, Patrick. <laughs> Don't tell me. I know. All right. It is the aforementioned six-pack challenge. Champion AJ Styles defends against John Cena, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, and Baron Corbin. And, well, this is basically a let's play the hits kind of match, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. It's a spot fest disguised as a match, if that makes sense. And we start out with Cena hitting five straight, well, four straight AAs. Yawn. Because why the hell not? Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I kind of get it, though, because of the desperation of the Cena character. Like, I think the desperation is stupid. He's John Cena. It's not yeah. like he's going to be left off of WrestleMania. But the, um, desper- I mean, the desperation of the Cena character in order to get to WrestleMania, I kind of understand where they were going for with that. I get it. But, I mean, but here's the thing. The whole concept, or at least I thought, maybe I'm thinking too far game theory you know with this is that you're supposed to build up to be able to hit your finisher you're not just able automatically except unless you're super cena to automatically hit your finisher one after the other after the other okay to be fair though it's basically a fireman's carry brandon i get this it's not exactly like it's the most visually impressive of finishing moves. And it came back to bite him square in the ass just a few moments later sure. when everybody else in the match ganged up to beat him up and throw him out of the ring of themselves. All right, so we kind of have to talk about it before we get to the match ending itself here. So let's go ahead and get to it here. It ends up being just Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in the ring. And Sami promises to be a man of his word and actually is. Laying down for Kevin. As the old phrase goes, he who hesitates is lost. Kevin doesn't buy it, going to lift Sami Zayn off the canvas when Sami catches him in a roll-up for two. They have a brawl. They end up brawling around ringside. Sami gets into Shane McMahon's face, telling him that this is exactly what Shane McMahon wanted. Kevin goes to super kick Sami. Sami moves. Shane doesn't. A few moments later... Hold on, I'm getting there. I know. A few moments later, Kevin Owens hits the pop-up power bomb on Dolph Ziggler. Cover, pinfall, one, two. Oh, what the f- Shane McMahon pulls out the referee. 
Kevin Owens argues with Shane. Owens is distracted arguing with Shane. Owens proceeds to get his block knocked off with a haluva kick. One, Clean. Shane pulls Sami Zayn out of the match. I get the why. I, I understand it completely. I know where it's going, and I'm glad that it's going to mean that that Kevin and Sammy aren't in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which had been rumored. Mm-hmm. Because we screw still don't that, know they, that. Well, screw that. They both deserve better. Yes. That being said, and I'm not going to go into full details here because nobody needs to know about the kind of arguments that go on between us as a group because – it's multiple personalities. They clash, tempers flare, shit happens. That said, I understand the appeal of a Shane McMahon match at WrestleMania, even though some people don't. He appeals to the casual fan base, to the people that were watching back when Shane was first around with the company during his formative years. Back when he was being trained with Tom Pritchard, back when he was running around with the ministry and the Mean Street Posse. Shane is nowhere near the young man that he was back then. But to those of us that were watching back then, there's a certain level of nostalgia in seeing Shane in the ring. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, Shane's going to be used to put over these people. Shane put over AJ at WrestleMania two years ago. Shane, was it last year? Yeah, because two years ago was AJ and two years ago was AJ in Jericho. Shane lost to Undertaker two years ago. The point of which being that while some people may be against it in theory just because they don't want management wrestling, this has been what the WWE and the McMahon specifically do since nineteen ninety-eight when Vince McMahon became a character himself. Yeah. Don't you don't necessarily have to like it. But you can understand where it's coming from. Patrick? All right. I'll start with this. Shane screwed them both. That was a BS thing. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to deny it. Shane screwed both of them. Pure and simple. I get the why. I'm totally okay with Shane wrestling in New Orleans. Shane put on the best match last year with AJ at WrestleMania. Shane had a hell of a match in October at Hell in a Cell. Was it a little long? Yes. But I thought it was a pretty damn good match for the Hell in a Cell match. I don't know how they're going to do it, It might be a triple threat. It might be, uh, I doubt it'll be a handicap. It might be a tag match of some sort. We'll see. But if you're not okay, and and yeah, I'm going to call call out. Don't. No, 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 no. I'm going to call out parts of it. If you are not okay with Shane being in a match, but you are okay with Stephanie being in a match that's being hypocritical. In my case, I'm okay with both because they're playing into a story. They're going to lose in the end. They're going to help put over whoever they're going to put over. I'm okay with it. But yes, 
Shane screwed them tonight. How is Shane the good guy here? Yeah, that's that's my bigger problem with this whole thing. Like, in the beginning of this, there was that gray area where, you know, you could say, okay, you know, Sammy and Kevin are being jerks and, and, Kate and Shane's just trying to get, you know, payback for, you know, Kevin attacking Vince and, and all of this. But now... It really is, like, how is KO and Sammy and Daniel, how are they the heels in this? I stand by my statement that I made before. I think this leads to some kind of tag match. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Shane will do what's right for business in putting Kevin and or Sammy over, depending on whether we end up with a tag match, whether we end up with a triple threat like Patrick suggested, even though we have enough pa- we have enough triple threats on the show already. Mm-hmm. Where I where I differ here is that you can be okay with Shane not with you can be not okay with Shane being involved in a match here. You can be not okay with Stephanie being involved in a match here. But at the same time, as somebody who's watched this company for as long as I have, you have to understand that this is the way that the McMahons work. They involve themselves in storylines. They're a very they're very hands on with the product, and just because certain other promotions aren't hands on with the owners and or bookers being this involved with the product, and that's an exact reference to the exact place people think it's a reference to. Even though they do sometimes, albeit not as much, they do get involved in certain levels. Well, well, giddo, giddo. Anyway, um. This is the entertainment aspect of the sports entertainment coming to the forefront with Shane. Shane is not a wrestler. I 100% agree with that. Shane is an entertainer. And you cannot tell me that fans do not react to Shane McMahon matches because that is an absolute bold-faced lie if you try. I mean, we he's given us two of the, you know, albeit you know, this is my own bit of personal bias because, you know, my, probably my top match of all time in the WWE is a match that a lot of more, you know, modern fans, you know, cringe at. But Shane has given us two of the biggest moments and biggest spots in WWE in the past three years. I know where you're coming from, from that. You're referring to your favorite match being Taker Foley. I'm Uh aware of that. I see both sides of the sports and entertainment aspect. You have the sports side of WrestleMania on lock already, though. You have Oscar Charlotte. You have Styles and Nakamura. Shane McMahon is the entertainment aspect. Stephanie McMahon is the entertainment aspect. I have no issue with any of this. I mean, we've said it before, and it seems to be a common thread every year when we get to this time of the year, is that there is always... You get a half and half when it comes to WrestleMania. The top of the card, the more promoted stuff, is going to be the more entertainment-based, the more casual-friendly stuff. 
But then, on the undercard, you're gonna get your dream matches. You're gonna get your matches that every wrestling fan has been clamoring for for years. Like Shinsuke, uh, AJ. Like Charlotte, uh, Asuka. You know, you're gonna get those big-time wrestling matches. Still. They may not be in the spot that you want them to be, but they're going to be on the card. Patrick, do you have anything else to add here? Mm, No, no, not right now. All right, with that being said, the finish does see AJ Styles retaining the WWE Heavyweight Championship as he pins... Kevin Owens with a phenomenal form at around 22 minutes flat. This takes us to Styles and Nakamura at WrestleMania. First, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this match. Then I have a question to pose to both of you before we get into our big finish for tonight's show. So, uh, Brandon, what were your thoughts on the match in general, not just specifically the Shane-Kevin-Sammy situation? I mean, the Shane-Kevin-Sammy situation, I get what they're trying to do with it. I like that they're doing this instead of what we've seen the rumors being of them just tossing Kevin and Sammy into the Andre. It sounds like they're actually going to do something with them. And in spite of what some people think, you know, being uh, placed against a McMahon does give you a level of uh, credibility within the company and and they've and a lot of people have said you know Vince and I think you know to a lesser extent Shane and and Triple H do not allow just anyone to step in the ring with them it's only the upper tier guys so this while this hasn't been the greatest of years for Kevin and Sammy hopefully this is a sign that maybe following mania hopefully this will be the giant culmination which we thought would happen at mania or not at mania at uh hell in a cell but with uh sammy's interference obviously it was extended hopefully mania is finally that big blow off to whatever you know they have planned for this uh and then they can move on and hopefully have some better uh opportunities in 2018 Kind of like how Styles, after his match with Shane last year, went on to, you know, get the WWE Championship and have a great run and and all of this. So we saw what could happen with AJ last year. Hopefully the same thing can be said for for, uh, KO and Sammy. But in terms of the match itself, beyond that stuff, like you said before, it, it was a spot fest. Um... And I was okay with it. It's what you expected um, in a six-pack challenge type match. I would have liked to have seen a little more um, toys come out. Um, But like I said on uh, the SmackDown review um, and when we were previewing this show, it seems like WWE doesn't use that stuff. Like... If they say a multi-man match, it's just going to be a multi-man match without putting a specific stipulation on it. They normally don't do all that much with it, with the exception of maybe a table spot, which we got uh, with the announced table with AJ. Um, but, you know, you don't really get much in terms of uh, other spots. Um, 
But beyond that, I mean, the match was pretty much what I expected. You know, AJ went over, and that was that. Patrick? I won't lie. There was a time that I was worried Cena was going to win. And not worried in the sense of, you know, oh, they're shoving down Cena. Or they're so, uh, <laughs> again, not in the sense that, oh, they're shoving John Cena down our throats, but more in the sense of they're giving him the belt just to have him lose it again at WrestleMania. Not to mention they would have ruined the complete dream match. Um, I was also thinking that we might hear The Undertaker's giant dong, but we didn't. Not that kind of pay-per-view. <laughs> Admit it, you up for The Undertaker's yeah. family show. Um, family show. <laughs> You've already sworn a couple times on there. We're past family show. Um, I I thought this this was just a fun throw the rules out the window match. You know, I I had genuine fun watching this, and I thought it was a really good match. You know, outside of the Shane stuff, you know, the starting off with four attitude adjustments that was a different way to start the match. Seeing Dolph Ziggler go. Head first into the glass oh, at yeah, I uh, forgot to Nationwide that. Arena. Yeah, sure. Make the guy who has a history of concussions do that. Derp. I, 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 but, just, yeah. I, I wonder what the conversation was with WWE and uh, and I think it's what, Nationwide Arena? Yeah. Yeah. That I, was, I, I wonder what the discussion was with the staff there. Oh, we wanted you to leave one uh, hockey uh, plexiglass board left. We just want that, to leave all that there. That that was gimmicked plexiglass. It's oh, okay. Okay. Damn. Yeah. Just, I'm almost it's, it's, certain that if the WWE decided they wanted to do that spot, that one of those boards was gimmicked in order to be able to do it because Nationwide ain't letting them break any of the glass for the arena itself. That's true. And not only that, it was probably the same glass as the chambers. Exactly. Go ahead and finish your thought, Patrick. Um. But yeah, I, I had a I had a real fun time watching this. I thought it was a very good match. You know what it reminded me of, Patrick, if this makes sense? Although it wasn't quite as good in terms of the presentation as well as the quality. It reminded me of the SummerSlam main event, the Fatal 4-Way. I was thinking of that. Maybe a little less chaos and destruction from that. But yeah, it, it did kind of have that sense. It needed in, in order to get more destruction, it needed about a hundred percent more Braun Strowman. <laughs> yes. Exactly. All right. And about seventy five percent more and about seventy five percent more Samoa Joe. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Well, in fairness, all WWE needs about seventy five percent more Samoa Joe. Anyway. <laughs> because right. the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you at Fastlane. He's fat <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Had a moment. I'm good. I steinerized it there for a second. I'm okay, I promise. I think. If I have a 66 and two-thirds percent chance of winning this match, and he has a one in three chance of Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of math, ironically enough, on a scale of zero to 100 percent, 
Brandon, I'll ask you first here, and then we got to kind of put a wrap on this. So All let's right. do this kind of quickly here. On a scale of zero to one hundred percent, what are the odds that AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura main events WrestleMania? I'll be general generous and say five percent. Patrick, one hundred and forty-one and two thirds. God damn it! <laughs> you set that one up, buddy. Yeah, um, right into that one. I'll probably be as generous. I I think at this rate it's third on that list, so I'll say ten percent. See, I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about twenty five percent. It's either going to be one of th- I think we can all agree it's going to be one of three matches. It's either going yes. to be the mixed tag match, yep, Roman yep. and Roman and Brock. Or AJ and Shinsuke. Mm-hmm. But I just think that especially with... Unless, real quick, yeah. unless we get Cena Undertaker, in which case that might shoot to the main event. That is true. But especially if we get that, all three, like like I was talking about before, you know, WWE, especially at Mania time, is trying to make that balance between, you know, the the big time stuff that's going to bring in the casuals and the the more you know smart friendly uh, wrestling matches, but when it comes to the placement on the card, they will almost always go with the match that will draw more eyes as the main event over the you know the more anticipated wrestling match. So that's why I don't think there's hardly any chance that Shinsuke AJ goes on last. I will say that I was surprised that Taker and Roman went on last last year. I thought for sure it was going to be Brock Goldberg. I think that was only because of, and you know, we're still not 100% sure, but I think that was only because of the implication that it was going to be Taker's last match and having that moment of him putting his you know, jacket and hat in the center of the ring and then leaving as the final shot that you saw of Mania. I think that's the reason why you got it as the the main event. All right, gentlemen, we've been doing this review now for an hour and 10 minutes. It's time to wrap this up here. It is time for your big finish here. Best and worst match in your overall show rating. We'll start with well, we've already kind of disagreed on this one during the course of the show, but let's make it official here. We'll start with the best match on the show. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say that, to me, my favorite match on this entire show was Nakamura and Rusev. Patrick? I totally agree. Brandon, you disagreed. Which yeah. one was your favorite? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. My favorite, uh, just in terms of the quality of the match and everything, I'd, I'm going to go with Rudin and, Ro- and uh, Orin. All right, this is not a knock on this match. It's just the fact that given everything that happened on this show, it was the least relevant to me. The worst match on this show was the women's tag match between Becky and Naomi against Carmella and Natalia. Patrick? Totally agree again, and sorry, Carmella, but it just feels like you're not ready yet. Brandon? Yeah, I agree with that. It just felt like a filler match. Now we get to the part where things get kind of interesting here. This is your final their final rating. I'm trying to remember what I gave Elimination Chamber. I think I put it somewhere around a six. I think yeah. you gave it something like that. 
Fastlane was way better to me. I, I it did enough here at Fastlane that while I may have disagreed with some of what happened here, there was more than enough here at Fastlane to get me excited to be officially on the road to WrestleMania. Here, I'm going to give the 2018 edition of Fastlane a seven and a half. Patrick, damn it. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a well above average ma- uh, card, you know, with really only one flub of a match uh being the women's tag match sorry guys um yeah i i totally agree a seven and a half well worth the watch i'm gonna give i'm gonna give this slightly lower just because of you know while i understand the reasoning behind it some of the whole, some of the things with Sammy and Shane and and Ko just were painful to watch. Um, but I mean, overall, it was a solid show. I'm gonna give this a seven. To be fair, though, given given the quality of some of these shows over the course of the last couple of months here, I would argue that seven, seven and a half is a pretty good start yeah. for the official to WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, and especially considering a lot of us thought that this was going to be just as predictable as uh, as Elimination Chamber. But, I mean, honestly, the especially the Orton, uh, the, the Orton win was pretty surprising to me. Well, I, I, I picked Randy Orton, but that's just me. I regretted taking Bobby Roode when I realized that I had predicted all champs to retain. I will say that, again, credit to Liz for calling the finish for the, the tag team match. And once again here, if 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 real as is if as real as it looked, uh, well wishes on a speedy recovery to Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we've definitely set the stage for some very interesting stuff going forward towards WrestleMania. We may or may not be back on April 8th. I'm not sure what the hell's going on. <laughs> if we are, great. Not, I'm sure you can listen to other people talk about this show, and then Brandon and I will discuss it a little bit when we do our SmackDown review for the the SmackDown after WrestleMania. Yep. Real quick, real quick, I got one final question, and I'll finish with this. And it goes back to something Harry mentioned earlier, and me, because of the fact that he wasn't shown here in any way, shape, or form. Is Tuesday the last chance we have to get John Cena versus The Undertaker at Mania? I would say yes. I think Tuesday's too late. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen on Raw. Well, I think I the rumor I saw was that they were going to do it on, on SmackDown because, at least in storyline, it makes sense because the implication was that uh, Stephanie and Triple H and Kurt said it was impossible on Raw. So the only way, if we are indeed still getting the match, is if Shane and Daniel are able to convince Trip uh, is able to convince Undertaker to come out of retirement. All right, let me ask you guys this then. In that regard, there, if we don't get Taker Cena at WrestleMania, would you guys consider? Would consider? Would you consider Cena Strowman a disappointment? I don't think I would. Yes, not for Cena, but for Strowman. 
I'd agree. Honestly, I think the and and I know you know Cena's name is still huge and everything, but if you wanted to solidify the the middle of the card for Mania, and and I was saying this even before uh before tonight happened. Um, and he, now even more so, you could do it, and you could even potentially have him win it, and then you know start his open challenge again and everything, and build off of that. Have put him in the U.S. title match. Just what we need: John Cena versus Randy Orton in some that, form again. Well, that's what I, no, but but that's what I was saying originally. I was going to say that they should have a one-on-one match, just kind of as a way to just kind of you know. The the Smarky fans don't won't care about it. They won't care about any Cena match. So just kind of toss like toss a bone to some of the casual fans who still like both of them, and it could be a good showcase match for both of them. But kind of also show that you know they're at the end of their rope, and you know they're starting on their way out. All right, let me uh, let me kind of take this opportunity to talk about something that I did tease earlier, and then we're going to get out of here. So uh, I mentioned earlier that I did not think that the, the U.S. title match was going to be a triple threat match at WrestleMania. Here's why. We don't have a ladder match for WrestleMania. There are multiple people. There are multiple people involved in the U.S. title picture right now, and there are other people on SmackDown that could be moved into this U.S. title picture as well. Rusev, Ty Dillinger after his win tonight, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler after their involvement in the main event tonight. The U.S. title match is your ladder match at WrestleMania. No, it's not. Yeah, you're probably right. No, it's not. What is then? Your at least five-man Intercontinental Championship match. Nope. Intercontinental title match is already announced. It's Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins. And that matters how. Add Elias at Braun and you do a five-man ladder match. Don't see it. I'm okay with saying that. I I, I think the U.S. title is more likely, but if you think it's the IC, then hey, we got four weeks to find out, don't we? Yes, we do. Hey, Patrick. What? I hear you're still going Broadway, huh? Something like that. Go ahead, I'm giving uh, you indeed. a chance. Huh? Go ahead, I'm giving you a chance. Plug your show. Okay. Uh, you can listen to Kevin Gray and myself run down this very pay-per-view that we've just spent the last almost hour and a half talking about uh, this Wednesday at 9-ish Central over on WLGKRadio.com or on the Logic Radio app. As for the first time this year, Kevin beat me in the damn predictions. Jerk. All right, Elmer, you're up. Plug away. Uh, You can listen to myself and Harry and Liz Puglisi on the SmackDown review and 205 Live review and Mixed Match Challenge review. I'm sure we'll... What? We talk about Miss Max Challenge, we just don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to, but we kind of have to now that we started it. Um, but, yeah, we'll be talking about the Fallout show to this pay-per-view and seeing, you know, where 
SmackDown goes and they're in in their beginning to the road to WrestleMania. Uh and then in a couple of weeks you can listen to Harry, myself, Eric Watkins, and Jason Teasley on the kickoff for our pre draft uh show and then after the draft our post draft show. Uh and you can Make- also what? No, go ahead. I thought you were done. No, and then you can also listen to Jason and myself uh, for Fantasy Football to the Max after the draft where we talk about all the players who have been drafted and their fantasy impacts. Well, hopefully not all the players because that's a long freaking draft. The, just the main ones. <laughs> um, the ones that will actually have an impact on their teams. Okay, that's fair. In addition, you can also Bye. check out you can also check out Gary Vaughn and Paul Leeser as they present the Monday Night Raw review for the official first show on the road to WrestleMania tomorrow night. As Brandon mentioned, he, myself, and Liz will be back with the SmackDown 205 Live Mixed Match Challenge review on Tuesday. Um, How the War Was Won is coming. I can't give you an exact date, but the, it's a work in progress. We'll get there as soon as we can. And... We may or may not have something for the NCAA men's basketball tournament for you guys within the next couple of days as well. We'll keep you guys up to date on that. Make sure you check out the uh, the website, w2mnet.com. Make sure you uh, follow us and like us in all of your podcast applications, iTunes, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. And in addition, you can find us in places like CastBox as well. So for the Elmer Fudd to my Bugs Bunny, Brandon Biskebing. My Wrestling Unwrapped co-host, Patrick Ketza. My name is Harry Broadhurst, and this has been Wrestling Unwrapped Reacts to the 2018 edition of WWE Fastlane. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys down the road.